we are now officially live. Jason right. Dorito Purs. Uh, so this spurred very randomly the idea for this conversation. I don't even really know where the inspiration for it came from, but I thought that it would be really good for us to have a conversation out there that people could reference about the financial side of BMX, mainly mainly an informational guide on or blueprint on how to kind of navigate finances in BMX because there's a lot of life after pro stories and questions and and all this stuff in other podcasts and a lot of people talk about how there's no like real blueprint for this this side of things and I thought well why don't we make that blueprint yeah and Dorito here was the perfect person to ask about this because Dorito has pretty much done all of the the BMX stuff and moved into the financial world in several different ways. So first of all, maybe maybe just give the quick rundown on like your history through BMX as well as the things that like make you qualified for this subject. Okay. Yeah, so um riding BMX, I started riding when I was you know, 12, I started competing at about 14. I absolutely fell in love with riding. It was like my passion. I would adopt for riding every day of the week. I got obsessed with it, rode, you know, four to five hours a day, every single day. Um, and then uh, as the years went on, I went on to ride in professional contests. And then I started riding in um, um, shows and so on. So basically, I've been in all different types of ways I've been sponsored. So there's been a bunch of different aspects of riding because that's the thing with BMX. There's so many different um, avenues. There's people who make video parts uh, to, and you can make money off of that, which I did at one point too. Um, you can do shows, which you make money off of that. You can do contests. You make money from winning contests. You can be sponsored. You can make money from sponsorships and so on. So basically through all that, I've gotten to travel and see that part of BMX. And then as the years went on, I got into the industry of BMX. I started Thriller BMX, um, which was a show team. So before that, uh, I was a manager of Maximum Velocity Stunt Team. Uh, I ran that for years, uh, did shows for them for years as well. I also did shows for uh, Mirage Entertainment, which they did like entertainment all over the world for like Six Flags, amusement parks, and whatever amusement park anywhere. <laughs> I was in, in India and China and all types of really interesting places for that. Uh, and then as the years went on, when I got into my own show team, we did shows all over the world as well. Uh, Thriller was a, a very successful show team for a long time. 2020 kind of decimated it, and I was already kind of doing something else anyways which is what i'm doing today which today i do uh i have a research company which we do research on financial um different financial in instruments we do back testing for certain big companies we do uh we also manage money for clients we do basically just about everything across the board in that field uh we have uh workers all over we have workers in india and so on so it's a very uh very awesome business uh very successful at the moment as well and then uh, I also take money from hedge funds, and so they allocate money to me to manage for them. Uh, so they have hedge funds are bigger money, so that way I don't have to go through a million different people to raise money, um, which I'm, you know, for myself, I'm, I'm better with that. I'm not really the best with people. So that's how 
I got to hear today. That's a really cool story. I mean, you also have experience with other businesses outside of finances and BMX too, don't you? Yeah. Construction and so on, uh, you know, so and not to mention real estate, um, you know, there's lots of different things that I've been involved in over the years and branched out to. And that's something we can kind of get into today because that's a, that I like that you came up with this idea and it was really uh, well thought out because it's something that like you don't think about when you're riding like mm -hmm. you, you don't because you're competing at that high level. And what comes after isn't something any of us really ever talk about. And then one day we're there and. I feel like it's more depressing than anything for most people. I still talk to a lot of friends. I actually had a buddy of mine come up to me. I won't even name his name, but he came up to me and he was like, man, it's great that you're okay with like not being that good at riding anymore. You know? <laughs> and he was trying to say it in like a nice way. Like, you know, I'm glad that you moved on in your life. But like at the same time, it's, it is very hard to get older and go like, Hey, like, you know, I can't ride exactly the same way. I mean, I, I guess I could, you know, you, you can, yeah. and, but you are, there will be a point where you really can't, you know, when you're in their late forties, fifties, you know, at some point these things will slow down. And so that's what we're kind of getting at today and how you manage it in the, in the meantime. Right. And, and the importance of <clears throat> when you actually start thinking about these things, because in reality, the earlier, the better. Um, yeah. So, so one really important thing that we wanted to make sure that people understood throughout this entire subject is that the education side of it is the most important part and every single thing that we're going to be talking about today can be researched further on your own independently. There's videos on YouTube, books, all kinds of different resources for every single thing that we're going to talk about. Yes. Absolutely. And, and remember, you know, this is this is a YouTube video. We're going to go uh, an overview of these things, you know, make sure you're looking into all this stuff for yourself. And this is supposed to be the beginning of your journey. Mm -hmm. And this is not financial advice. I feel like yeah. you have to say that on YouTube. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but but on that note, uh, the order of the things that we're going to go into is is the uh, the individual rider's perspective through like the business of BMX. Then there's the starting the business and working in the industry side of things. And then the life after pro kind of topic of things where what comes after all of this. So the first one, the, the business of BMX and individual riders or from an individual riders perspective being sponsored. And then I guess you kind of hit on all of, not all of, but a lot of the different avenues that you can make money in BMX through. But I think the more important part is the uh, the overreaching topic of all of this, and and the the things you talked about when we were raised, like the ten ninety nine forms and how to learn about managing your life and finances and all of those types of things. Yeah. So you know when we're. Um we're kids you know these are things that aren't really taught or even talked about you know even as a normal american family is they're very scared to have those conversations i remember the first time i was overseas and having a conversation with the family and right at the dinner table they're talking about finances and you know this is something we don't do in the states even though we should it's not talked about in schools not talked about anywhere so as an individual rider like you know you get if you ride shows 
uh, you write contest, whatever it is, you're most likely going to get a 1099 form and nobody tells you exactly how to work with those. You get the money all up front. So if you win a contest, let's say it's a $10,000 contest to make it an even number, you win a $10,000. Okay, great. So then at the end of the year, you get a 1099 form and you have to file that in your taxes. So normally you would have to pay the full amount of tax if you do nothing and you just file it. But there's lots of things, ways you can write off. So basically making a, a small spreadsheet is the easiest thing. So I was fortunate to have a, my grandmother was actually a great person for me to have because she was one who really kind of taught me that, hey, this is, this is something you need to write out. You need to write out every time you buy something that pertains to BMX. Your car is a write-off because you're using that in BMX. Your gas money to go to the bike park back and forth. Your pads, every single bike park, all of these things are a write-off. Clothing, everything. Entry for a skate park, yep. contest entry fees, these types of things. Also, mm -hmm. just a disclaimer, we're not tax professionals either. <laughs> this is not tax advice. I don't know if that's the same as financial advice, but continue. Yeah. So, you know, th these are things that basically you want to have all this stuff written down. And then when you go to your tax person at the end of the year, this is what you hand them. You hand them something that has, you can, sure, you can hand them a million receipts, but you really want to have everything written out nice and smooth. And not to mention, you can sit there and really kind of come up with ideas, you know, like, okay, well, this is how much I've spent this year on this. Maybe that was insane. Maybe that was too much. Your food. Uh, every time you go riding, you should be writing that down. You know, are you are you on a road trip and you have to eat three times a day? And so when you're eating two, three times a day, you need to be putting that down. Your gas money, you need to be putting that down. So at the end of the year, when you get these things and you owe this $10,000 and you don't have to, um, you're using all these write-offs so you don't have to pay as much to the IRS because you're not you're not using all that money, you know, like you, you didn't yeah. just that money you're using it to continue to compete right when you're traveling on a plane to a contest that's yep. a write-off you know like so you want to continue to keep track of these things and a lot of people especially like when you're starting to ride these are things like they get away from you oh, and yeah. you got to remember too the other end is the irs does uh, hotels they're a write-off but there's important things about this so you don't just want to go okay it's on my bank account i'm great um, keep the actual receipts, mm. make notes of it. So gas receipts you can actually have in your bank account and food receipts under $100, they can be in your bank, bank account. And so you can print that out at the end of the year, which is smart. That's what I do every single year. I go and print out all of my, every single bank account business wise or personal. I print that all out at the end of the year. So I have it. But when it comes to hotel receipts, you have to get the receipt upon checking out of the hotel. So when you're going out of a hotel, they want that because just in case you were like buying room service or doing something else, they need the one upon checking out. Yes, I know we're BMXers. I, we stay at Motel 8s or Super 8s and Holiday Inns and they don't have room service, yeah. um, but still the IRS doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. So basically between all of those things, like what we're talking about is just having this little plan and this little bit of information having this spreadsheet of hey this is exactly how much i spent on this all the time just in front of you and going over it once a month or one, you know once a year to give to them that's really going to give you a major edge and just kind of understanding also how much am i spending on this shit 
like you have no idea really because mm-hmm. that thing that com- comes uh it, it gets in your head a lot when you don't think about it and then all of a sudden at the end of the year you're like you're out of whatever money you used you're all out of it and you're like well where did it all go yeah so that makes it even more important that you're looking at your 1099 form and going okay i owe this ten thousand dollars but i have all these write-offs here you go tax person you know use all these write-offs because you plug them in in different areas they have right. different types of write-offs for food and so on and so forth maintenance and all yep. stuff like that yep car receipts you're so you know don't not just buying your car but also working on your car yeah yeah i uh, i definitely have not utilize that as much as I should the first year that I actually worked with 1099 stuff through YouTube and all of that. Yeah. And then the, the really important thing is keeping that uh, journal and keeping the documentation of everything that we're talking about here with the write-offs and all of the stuff that you have to spend things on because at the end of the year, it's really hard to remember every single thing and every single thing that you forget is something that you should have used as that that write-off and then you you don't get the benefit that you should have from it because it was a business expense yeah and and exactly like we were talking like i was talking about earlier which is like set a day a month you know and so many people are like man i don't want to do like dude it's it's not that big of a deal it's not that hard either (laughs) set a day of the month take your you know your go through your bank statements write everything down you know like your food and your gas and then keep your receipts and just write everything straight down it's very easy make sure you keep all your receipts you're supposed to keep them all for at least five years uh just in case you were to get audited and also good thing to know is if you do get audited cuz a lot of BMXers have gotten audited are with the way the 1099s work and everything it's it can trigger very easily so if you do get audited and your stuff's really clear like okay here's everything's written down perfectly and they go because what they do to test you out is they go okay well here's this receipt this is what triggered it uh, you had a your car needed to get fixed it was $6000 uh, last year, we want to see the receipt for that. If yeah. you can go, here's a receipt, uh, and do that like for a hotel and a couple other things, they're going to leave you alone. That's going to be the end of it. But if you go, oh. <laughs> you're, you're screwed. That's when they start to really come at you. Yeah, and what I do personally is I have a note in my phone that's like 2021 taxes, and every single time that's like a big Thing, anything over like 30 or 40 dollars i put it in there and i put the costs so that i know exactly what i need to do and then there's apps for tracking your mileage so that you can put your miles in there and then it makes it all nice and neat for your tax person so that they don't have to be like all right so how many trips did you go on that you drove and where'd you go and how long were you at it, it just makes you it a name, lot easier. Name the app of that. That's it's a uh, mile iq is the one that i use and I used to rely on the GPS part of it, but there were so many times where like I would go to raise and it just wouldn't register the drive. And I didn't realize that I could add it manually. So I was just like, oh, I guess I'm not gonna count this one because I, yeah. I just, I lost out on it. When in reality, you can just enter them in manually as it happens. And that I feel that's the way I, it works best for me, I think. A really good way to put it is just like you got to find what works best for you. Yeah. And there's the other angle of it, too, is at the very least, 
you know, you you can at least have your miles for the entire year. Like, yep. here's your miles for the year. What was the average gas price? You can Google that. It comes up in five seconds. Boom. That's your miles for the year. There's the average gas price. This is exactly what I use. Tax person. There you go. Uh, you know, make sure your bank statement. You you use one card for these things. That's the other thing that's important is make sure if you have a debit card, you're using the same card for all these expenses that pertain to BMX. This is also another thing that we get into. We talked about this a little bit. Is you can also LLC yourself as a BMX rider. Uh, you a lot of people don't utilize this. It's very in Ohio. It's literally a hundred dollars. Mm. Uh, you know, you go online, you LLC yourself, and then boom, you're rant more BMX. Boom, there we go. I have my own thing now. I have certain other things that are helpful. Like so, for like we talked about with the car, if you have a ten thousand um, uh, dollar ten ninety nine form. And they spend, let's say, fifty thousand dollars for a car. Yeah. Um, and nice, really nice car. But let's say you get you bought a fifty thousand dollars. And so then you could go, okay, well, with an with normally, that would be null and void. So you'd be able to use that right off one year. Yeah. But you have forty thousand dollars left over. Like it'd be a lot less than that actually. But we'll use an even number to make it easy. Yeah. So let's you you owe ten thousand dollars. You'd have forty thousand dollars left over, but if you have an LLC, now you can use ten thousand dollars the next year, and then you can use ten thousand dollars the next year, and then you okay. can do that to five years. So you're getting these write-offs year after year after year. Whereas if you just have a normal ten ninety-nine, you're just an individual, you're not getting any of those benefits. That's interesting and a good, good thing to think about too. Um, so. I feel like we've covered this pretty well. Is there anything else from the individual rider's perspective before we talk about like the things that you need to start thinking about while you're that individual rider doing contests, shows, whatever it might be? Uh, no, because um, it, I think that that covers it pretty well. We're basically, look, that's a good overview of what we'd want to be doing and looking at as an individual rider getting 1099 forms. W-2s, you can still get those same type of write-offs. Let's say you're working in the industry or something and you're and you're interested in something like this, you can still use a lot of these write-offs. So you can still keep track of these things, but the tax works a little bit different. Okay, so so you're, you're still an individual rider who's getting the 1099, you're riding contests and shows and you're doing well. What types of things do we need to think about for the future now to set start setting yourself up for the future yeah um, um my, ron thomas always tells a funny story which is when he was on the road and then i used to do this too is he'd bring books on the road and he had a book uh, i think it was like investing for dummies or something and he said that like everybody on the road basically like made fun of him super hard about this and if anybody knows ron now ron super successful guy like extremely successful uh, you know, loves what he does every day. Basically, real real estate tycoon at, these days has a really great uh, uh, building in Wyandotte, Michigan's uh, kind of like a WeWork type facility. Very cool stuff. Um, so it's like you know, you want to be thinking about these things early, and you're you're in your your 18, 19, 20. It's not a bad idea to say, okay, well, I at least you know, you don't have to. People want to specialize, right? Because that's how we, what we do as humans. We want to go. Okay, I want to be a trader. Uh, I want to be a. I want to own a construction company. I want to be in real. Don't think like that. Think. I want just a general education. So 
generally like there's there's very easy to read books and they're like they're not going to give you secrets they're just going to help you with your mindset like things like the millionaire next door is a great book which is one that's about people who are actually millionaires um and how that's different than what you think so you think millionaires are the people who are driving around ferraris and crazy cars and all this stuff but really the book shows that millionaires are actually the people who live in a very normal house um, they actually just save their money like crazy. They drive a normal car. You would never guess it in a million years. And especially now, like with my clients, like I see that day after day, which is my client, the, the client who's actually the, the wealthiest client I have, and he's into over a hundred million. He drives around a old Honda Civic, you know, granted it's in good condition, <laughs> but the guy could, you know, the guy could buy a Ferrari and it wouldn't even make a dent in how much this guy actually has overall, mm-hmm. but he's driving around this car. You know, he wants his kids. What he told me is he wants his kids never to think like how much they actually have and think they have this uh, huge advantage on the world and start using that and asking him for money and all these things. So he wants to kind of grow them up in a very different way, kind of like how he grew up. Uh, And so like you see this over and over again, that it's not about the money for these people. It's more about what they do. They actually enjoy what they do. They love the game. And so that's most of the reason why they're interested in accumulating. So reading that book is kind of like the first step in going like, because the first thing I I would have kids do shows with me and uh, they would ask me questions and be like, so, you know, what do you do with your money? Like when, how much, like when you make, how much money is enough money to like start like living it up? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, like, you know, how much, it doesn't, there's not an exact number on this, but it's like, you really don't, if you, if you need it, if you need to live that way, uh, that's something. But if you don't need to live that way, continue to save, continue to accumulate and just do the right thing day after day, which the right thing is instead of going, okay, I have a, you know, I'm going to blow all this money on this stupid thing or, or I'm going to buy this crazy car, you know, like I'm going to buy a new Audi or something like go buy that Toyota or a Honda Civic and then stuff, you know, 10 grand away and continue to do that over and over again. You know, this thing's compounded over years, you know, like even think about something like 300, you know, $300 a month, putting away that little bit month after month, that adds up, Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in a year you're talking over three grand. So, you know, you can do this over and over again and continue to stack money and put money away. And then that adds up. And the whole point of having money isn't to, you know, show everybody how much money you have or what sick car you have. It's about uh, stability. Now you don't have to worry about things. Now you're going, okay, well, I have this much money in the bank right now. I don't, if my car blows up, I'm not terrified. Mm-hmm. If this happens to my, if my, if I break my teeth out riding my bike, like I'm not going, oh my God, I can't buy new teeth. You know, these things are all very important. And so this is all kind of part of the journey. And I think that's a great book to start with just because it's very simple. And the other one is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, that was a, it was, it's a very like, basic 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 book but it's also the mindset of having like that you you have that mindset your whole life that like you can't be rich you can't get money you can't do these things because this is this magical thing and you can't start a business and you can't do all the and you tell yourself that in your head like i can't do any of these things i'm not good enough to do these things and, and so on uh that's the asshole rich people but really like you find out that you know, most people who are very wealthy, very successful in business, they're self-starters. They started this on their own. 
they decided they were going to do it and they fought hard to do it. And I think being a, being a bike rider is a major edge in that sense. I think a lot of bike riders don't think about that. Like if you are a bike rider, you have been smacked in the face many times and had yep. to get up over and over again. And, you know, something that kind of woke me up was when I was a junkie. Uh, my, my friend, uh, Tony, he looked at me one day and he was like, man, you come up with money every single day. And I, I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't even care. And I was like, whatever. And he's like, dude, you come up with money every and I'm, and I'm sitting there going like, yeah, dude, I, I have a problem. <laughs> like, that's that's what people who have problems do. And he's like, no, like, he's like, what if you just focus that on a business? Like, you know, that same drive you had for bike riding, that same drive you have to do this every day. Like, why don't you just start a business and have that same drive for that? And, you know, that made a lot of sense to me at that point of going, okay, well, maybe I can have that drive in something else and something different. And it it does. And you just have to be okay with failure. And it's bike riders. That's something we're okay with failing, trying again. Right. Um, So so other aspects to think about. So you're talking about changing your mindset or expanding your mind a little bit too um is, is it a good time to start thinking about maybe some type of potential business idea or product or retirement fund type stuff too yeah i mean you can it, it now once again it depends on your level of like what exactly you're making from bmx what exactly you're making on side jobs and so on so you know if you need we're talking about tax write-offs and basically like for riders most generally in riding bmx like it's we're not making millions you know like so and and generally in riding bmx we're talking about it'd be great to get these write-offs but there's also other aspects if you are in that making more money than just the ten thousand dollars or so on a year you can also put money into your ira you know that that basically now you're taking money out of your uh, cash for the end of the year, putting it into something. So you get a write off on that sense. You can use a Roth IRA, which is tax deferred, meaning you're paying your taxes up front. Uh, you know, you can do all these things. You can invest money, you know, sit, sitting there and putting money away, compounding, like not saying everybody should be a trader because trading is very hard, but yeah. saying, putting some money away into a retirement and sticking it in, you know, the S and P 500 and some bonds and leaving it for 20 years, isn't a bad idea. You know, something very stable, uh, you know, I think the average rate of return is, I have it up here actually right now, which is 9% a year, you know, something at 9% a year, a lot of people think, you know, it, that isn't anything crazy, but really if you compound that in 30 years and that's your retirement in 30, 40 years, like that, that becomes a lot of money. 10 grand even becomes a lot of money at that point. So, you know, think of things like that. I mean, even at 9% a year, if you make... 10,000 extra dollars you save 10,000 extra dollars from changing your mindset and changing some of the way you think about things and you put that into directly right there boom that's $900 you wouldn't have had had you not or had you have just you know bought something or you you bought the more fancy car whatever that is and I think uh, a really good thing to think about here is just training yourself to think about things a little bit differently and just realizing that you need to do that yes 
and and that's that's really important that's well said and because that that's so important and the, i think the simple thing that i started to do at the beginning was doing things like i mean i was into bitcoin very early so like taking a little bit of money putting it in something oh, like yeah. that i'm not recommending doing anything once again, this <laughs> right is exactly you're just advice, telling but, your personal experience but my personal story was you know i put some money into there and then you know i would you know you have an extra 500 extra thousand dollars at some point you go okay well i'm I'm gonna buy a some silver. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go by the silver store, buy some silver. I'm gonna buy some gold. Things that I know like I can't just exchange easily. Um, you know, also things like you can make your bank accounts basically take money out of your account, putting into your savings every week if you want to. You know, something like a hundred dollars. Uh, just continually to do this over and over again and building up your savings, because that's the thing. Like you know, you never know. Also, that's another important important part, which you never know how much money you need because there might be some business idea that comes up for you in your head in the next ten years, and and if you have zero dollars, you can't exactly do that idea. Right. But exactly. you have something like you know, you save ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars. That's the beginning of any uh, any small business, basically. So you know, you you might need a truck, you might need a trailer, whatever it is. You can start with that, and so just stuffing your money away and kind of understanding that the journey is also part of this. You're on you're on a long road. You don't know where it's going to end up, but knowing that I'm just going to continue to do the right thing, continue to save, continue not to you know overspend or do anything crazy. You never know where you could end up in ten years, right? Absolutely, and and you, I think we can see the people in BMX who are making these smart choices, and there's there's a little bit of it talked about and and shown on social media where some people will will put their their some of their stuff out there for like what they're doing, and obviously we see whenever somebody starts their their clothing company or they're starting a new brand or something like that. And I feel like there's a, there's a, or this is a good transition just to get into the, like the starting a business in BMX or working in the industry side of things. Um, th- with the working in the industry side, I think what we wanted to talk about too is like that the 1099 mindset and things can still exist in that side. What do you mean exactly? Yesterday you were talking about how... Uh, if you work in the industry and you're not not like you're a writer but you could still get that 1099 and you still want to think about the same things yes okay so yeah yeah exactly so and and not to mention there's you know so many people who we know that are you know welders or workers for certain companies who have you know plowed a lot and this is also another thing that's very important um and this kind of this this goes a little bit off topic but it's on the topic um so basically you have we had a rider that came to ride for thriller and we all love riding bmx so much like we do it for free every day we love doing um and this guy came and he said hey you know i i love doing this i do this for free now any luckily he said that to me any other show team owner would have been like, oh, great, here, you could do it for free all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy your food, you're great, you know? And I pulled him aside and I said, hey, man, like, you never want to do that for free. And you actually said a good quote yesterday. You could actually add that in. Uh, do you remember what you said? Yeah, the, the money sustains passion thing. Yeah. I was on a work trip and a guy, a farmer, for that we were at filming at his farm, talked about how money sustains passion because he was very focused on the business aspect of things because he just loves being a farmer just like we love being bmx riders 
but the reality of it is you you need money to be able to ride so that's kind of part of why i wanted to have this conversation too is that side yeah and that that's perfect because you're right and so that's the conversation i had with them which is like no like yeah you but this is a business here so as this is a business and i'm offering to pay you you need to get paid you deserve to be paid for this you write a contest you should be paid and that's the thing that's kind of gotten a lot it's kind of happened so much in bmx that and and you can see it kind of weighing on bmx where not as many people are getting into it because they're not able to see it like we used to see it when there was money in it there was events there was all these things now if everybody did it for free there's none of those events you know there's none of these things popping up which is why we're kind of seeing that dragging at the moment but i had that conversation with him like look no like you deserve this money like not to mention you're riding for my company you could get hurt all these things so this is very important that you understand that you need to be paid and and that's something that i think a lot of people in riding like we all love it so much and we understand like the companies are are fragile and you know we understand they're not bringing a ton of money in sometimes so we'd love to all do everything for free but we can't and those companies i can tell you for sure they don't do it for free either right so so you shouldn't be asking any of the riders to do anything for free and that's another thing i, I want to get into too which is there's a lot of people and now i can say this because i'm outside of the industry so you know screw everybody but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um it's there's a lot of people in that industry and in, in show industry and and I worked for some of them that would just screw you over you know and these are things that are I mean I can tell you a story about one time I was doing a show it was me and Joel Harding we uh, the uh, owner of the company told us to drive all the way to eastern Pennsylvania which was like 9 hours away uh, we drove all the way out there. We did the show. After the show, he said, well, I don't think I really like need to pay you guys gas money. Like I could have got somebody else to do it who didn't have to drive that far. And I was like, well, you said you would. <laughs> That's the end of it, you know. And so we kept going back and forth. And finally, I had to go to his car, grab the keys out of his vehicle, which towed the ramps and everything. And I sat on the on the curb waiting. You know, we just waited there for four or five hours until he paid us. You know, these are things that happen, not to mention there's been lots of stories of people just not getting paid. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a guy uh, that he had a, I don't even care, Solution Action Sports. <laughs> he had a company in, in Indiana. Uh, he screwed over a lot of a lot of BMX riders. Uh, they were out of a lot of money. He didn't pay anybody anything. Uh, I did a show for him once where he didn't pay me, and that, and that was my company. So I still had to pay all my riders and everything while he didn't pay us. So there's a lot of shady people in, in a lot of these industries, and in the show industry, they're there too. So you know, make sure you're always covering your ass. Uh, that's that's always a very important thing. And if you feel like somebody's shady. Because this is the thing I'd always tell my riders, if you feel like this dude's shady and you go do that show, that's on you at that point. Yeah. If you feel like he's shady, just don't do it. Don't go. There's plenty of people who are good people who, who do this as well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> that is a really good point to bring up just because of how much of that can go on that, that people don't talk about because some people are just they're not in a position that they can talk about it because they're scared that it might affect some other aspect of their their life and we all know that bmx riders don't get paid tons of money unless you're like at the very very tippy top so if you're worried about where your rent money is going to come from you might not be willing to speak up about something like that so it's a really good thing to talk about 
Yeah, and that, that's the thing that, and also it had the Medina Fair. He, you know, he, he he did that Medina Fair, and he had a bunch of riders come in. Uh, you know, a bunch of people that we know. Yeah. Uh, he called a bunch of my guys. You know, they all went to do this event. Um, he told all the riders that they that he didn't get paid for the event. Um, that was a lie. Uh, he said that they did such a bad job that he didn't get paid, and it was a two-week event. Now, when you do every day is a payday, so that's a lot of money. He just didn't pay anybody. Yeah, it's you crazy. know. <laughs> so, so these things are pretty terrible. So, uh, <laughs> another thing that I thought about that we should mention in all of this is that when you save that money on the side that we've been talking about this entire time it also can mean you have money for something like health insurance, which we typically BMX riders just don't get health insurance. And a lot of people just don't have health insurance because of it. Yeah. Just, just something to think about with that. Whenever you, if you're able to be smarter about your money, you'll be able to afford something like health insurance, which can prevent you from getting into the spot that so many people have gotten stuck into by not having it and then having something terrible happen. And I hope that this conversation could just help at least one of those type of people. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's something that I learned very early on. I mean, there was a, a pro rider is really good to me growing up, uh, taught me a lot of things, just how to be a human in general. Uh, very good guy, but once again, you know, at that point, a lot of the riders were, this was when BMX was really dead, dead, early 90s. Um, you know, so he grew up, uh, riding and living in the skate park. And so he actually like memorized another person's, uh, social security number, you know, like crazy things like that were like becoming very normal back then for BMX riders, you know, luckily the sport changed a bit, but now there's things like, um, healthcare.gov. Uh, that's actually something that a resource that people should know about that it's very brand new. They just passed a new law. Uh, very recently so you know you can go to healthcare.gov you can get on a plan that's pretty cheap um, so very easy to get healthcare now that's a, that's a much better way to get it wow that's really good to know I didn't know that even existed yeah so so let's talk a little bit about starting a business in BMX I don't know if there's anything that we didn't cover that we needed to with that or or what yeah so um there, there's a couple different things aspects of it one is um, you, you have to no matter what the business is you have to love doing it uh, because that's the way you are able to push through in tough times if you don't love doing it you will stop doing it very quickly and the second everything gets hard you will throw it away um, so we see a lot of people coming to BMX and starting something but it's also important to understand that uh, you can do that business as a side project and be like, okay, it's just a side project. I'm just having fun with this. We'll see where it goes. Or if you're serious about it, just make sure there's some monetary aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things anymore. And I think there's a lot of cool businesses in the space of tech now. You know, research like what I do, you know, you're talking about a business that I don't have to exactly have an office building. I don't have to have a truck. I don't have to have a trailer. I don't have to have all these things. Um, drop shipping company where you're shipping tires between, you know, you're, you're from a distributor shipping directly to people. You're able to get some slight discount to do this 
um, you know, you find a company that you, you really like that's a good friend of yours and you, you're the go-between for that. There's a lot of little things you could do without actually owning a major business. So that's kind of a good way to, to think of things. But also, um, you know, the, remember that BMX is kind of at a, at a tough state right now. So if you do have a business in it, make sure there's possibly other things that you can do to sustain yourself. If you're a welder, maybe you also weld pipes or something, you know, do, doing something different on the side. Uh, maybe you build mountain bike frames for the time being just to make some, make some extra money from time to time so you can sustain yourself in this industry. Because right now the industry is in a tough spot. Um, it goes through cycles, though. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that BMX, you know, you'll see it. 80s were booming. Um, early 90s were not. Uh, 2000, early 2000s, it was great. Um, right now, it's not. So, you know, I think it's just going to be cyclical again. I think we'll see it pick up all over again. But just understand that we're in a tough time right now. So if you do start a business in this industry, just be very careful. And I think that a lot of what we talked about in the individual riders perspective thing carries on over to the starting a business side because and you're going to be able to talk about this way more, but there's a lot of things that you got to learn if you're going to start a business and things that you need to know about tax stuff. Just mm -hmm. just it's a totally different mindset. Biz running a business and owning a business is a totally different mindset from just I ride and go to contests. So I get paid from that. So I think you'd be, you'd be able to talk even more about that. Yeah, perfect. Uh, you know, I, I can talk about the show industry just because I was a part of it, um, and, and that'd be the easiest for me. Uh, so, you know, you, you start riding, and, and I'm lucky that I got to move through this. I worked from the bottom up. I was, I was the rider to the assistant manager to the manager, and then I started my own business. So I understood how the money worked at that point. So when you start doing shows and you hear that people are getting – 1500 a day for shows that sounds insane it sounds like a ton of money you're like oh my god you know i'm getting 200 dollars a day 250 to do a show but i could get this much to if i start my own team mm -hmm. and so you start your own team you know you, and then you realize you you buy a truck you know you've got to buy probably a diesel because uh, you're going to be towing a lot so you're talking about you know 25k 30 now like 40k way back. more yeah yeah and that was back then and then as time's moved on, um, you know, we're, we're all, you have to buy a trailer and you buy all these things and you're spending about, you know, $80,000 to really get started in a good way. And so, okay, now you're starting up this, this new business and you're, you've got 80 K you do a show for 1500, you know, and you're like, man, you know, I still, I just paid $80,000 for a $1,500 show. <laughs> you know, it sounds very different. So, you know, but that that's what happened a lot in this industry is that guys would get into it, they would buy their truck and trailer and they wouldn't think more than, you know, five seconds out and they'd go, oh, well, you know, I'll just, this guy's charging 1500, I'll charge 500, you know, I'm still making more money than I was. And they continued to do that to the point where the shows got so devalued over and over again. Um, and that's something that you have to really think about as a, as a business owner, which is you never want to start lower because number one you're in charge of other bike riders like if you're in this industry and you love bike riding you better love other bike riders that's number one above all else so you need to be able to pay them they're never there can never be a time even i mean there's been show and my riders can tell anybody this 
uh, and I say this publicly, is that there's been plenty of times where I've gotten screwed over in some way and I've never not paid my riders, ever. Uh, I pride myself on that because this is BMX. We're a brotherhood. Like, that's what we do. And so, like, you have to always understand that. So these prices are also this way just in case something does happen. So, you know, understanding that, hey, like, yeah, maybe that sounds like I'm making more money, but in the end of the day, like, after I paid $80,000, after you, and you don't know the, all the other costs, you know, at that time, which is um, insurance. You know, you got to have insurance. You got to have a million dollar to two to $5 million policy, depending on what you're doing shows for. And that can be, you know, upwards of, you know, 10 grand a year. Um, you know, so you have to have all these things all the time and all these things. And so, so the one thing that I can say is make sure you're have this ability to charge a good amount of money and understand that you're going to need that money. There's a reason why those fees are that way. And not to mention, don't don't devalue an industry. That's what happened in the show industry. That um, happened in just the sponsorship industry, too. It was just a exactly. race to the bottom because every single kid was so stoked to get a T-shirt and a pair of grips or whatever it was that they would just they would ride for free or they would do ride for a pair of grips or whatever, and then it just devalues everybody else above them who's getting paid to do the same type of riding. Exactly. And that's that's exact well well said and that needed to be said because that's what happened so much. It was in my era it was cool because the like guys who were higher ups would grab dudes like me and be like, If this person has to sponsor you that like Chad Kagey, like people like that would sell you the truth about random things and kinda of have you this is what you make. You do not go under this. This will wreck it for all of us, you know, and everybody worked together in that. In normal business, that's very normal. Uh, in construction, that's that's normal in construction. That's normal in any business ever. But yeah. BMX is the only one I've ever been in where nobody, everybody, because everybody's got that mentality of comp competition. Right, it's, it's everybody's out for themselves for the most part, so they're not even in a conversation with somebody else because that other person might take away what I'm trying to get or, or whatever it yeah. might be. And it's everybody's right to, to be in competition for yourself, but when you're in competition for yourself and it's hurting yourself, actually, that's when it gets bad. And that's what we see so much, like you mentioned, with sponsorships. In the show industry, it was the same thing where people, you know, we'd have a good thing set up and I would say, okay, well, within this, you know, you're within two hours of your house, like you want to charge whatever you want, whatever. But when you're further than that, like the second we drive, like we have to buy a hotel room, we have to pay more in gas, we have to pay more in, in insurance, all of these things come up. So and not to mention, what if something breaks? So you know, if all of these things come up, and your prices are still crap, you're going to get screwed at some point. And it's the same thing as sponsorships. Now there you see that there's not as many people um, riding. Sponsorships aren't paying nearly as much as they used to. They don't have to. If you know this this person this person does this trick and they do well in contests and they're also 18, but this this 30 year old's getting paid major money in their in their book. And then uh, this 18 year old says he'd do it for half. What's the company gonna do? Well, the company ends up going screw it. I'll take this kid for half. And they continue to do that over and over and over again until it just waters down everything. Right. And I think you hit on an extremely important aspect to business and, and sponsor. Just every single aspect of making money in life is that you need to 
understand and know the value of what you're doing and what you're selling, whatever it might be, and you have to put a realistic price tag on it so that you're not getting screwed, so that you're not, you don't buy that $80,000 rig and then don't make whatever X amount of dollars that you need in the year so that you can pay your bills and pay your riders and pay everything that you have to pay and still come out making money in the end because there's so much of that short-sightedness in every single business that exists because people don't think far enough ahead to realize that there's an equation basically that you need to understand for how you get to your cost and how you make what you need to make in the year. Yes, and and if you go into a business and you see that there's another bit, like for example, you see a bike frame, you see a bike frame and you go, dude, it's just some steel. Okay, you you look online, you go, okay, the steel cost fifty dollars, you know, and then like, and I'm I'm not exactly sure right now because steel's insane. Right, it's just just making it. Yeah, and so let's say steel's fifty dollars, and to weld it, you know, gonna take me five hours and you're like oh let's just say twenty dollars an hour and then you come up with this stupid equation you go okay well i could start frames and i could sell them for two hundred dollars i'll make fifty dollars a frame it'll be fine Uh, most of the time there's a reason why things cost what they do um you know so not to mention the bike the bike shows are the easiest one for me to go to which is you know we had to buy welders uh what if we had we had to replace ramps we have to modify ramps we have to do all types of things you know this things my my random costs i mean i know my my costs per year were like twenty thousand dollars repairs on the truck just repairs on the truck (laughs) yeah repairs I mean, there was one time, here's a per, and then you also have, this is important in all businesses, which is black swan events. So I had a great black swan event with, with Thriller uh, right after you spend all that money starting up that we just talked about. We were driving, it was me, uh, Rob Gill, and uh, Tommy Crail. And we're driving back from some shows in New Jersey. And we get right across the border into PA, and you hear, boom! And all of a sudden, something goes bink, bink, bink. So the drive shaft let go of my transmission because my transmission actually exploded. Uh, and the drive shaft let go and it went spinning, and it just beat uh, the engine. It just literally kept spinning and beat the crap out of the big diesel engine. So you know, huge Allison transmission destroyed. Um, you know, not not a repair transmission. Like had to get a whole new transmission. The wiring, sh- uh, the wiring harnesses, top and bottom, were destroyed. Everything was destroyed on the truck. It even ripped the brake lines out on the way out. <laughs> so it was just a ridiculous repair that I had to spend because uh, the diesels cost a lot more to repair. So I had to spend about twenty thousand dollars right there, that day, to get that all done. You know, so then you're renting to do shows the next couple of weeks. We had to rent a truck. You know, do all the rent, keep the rentals going, get while. So I'm paying for a rental while I'm paying this $20,000, you know, these, but this is all very normal in business. And you, you either learn like I did through like trial and error. Um, you know, I, I've been doing things with businesses my whole life. So it's a lot of trial and error, or you learn and go, well, you know, this guy here just said all this can happen, which it absolutely can. And, you know, take some notes because it does happen. And it will, there will always be something that will happen and come up that that law is it murphy's law what can go wrong will go wrong yep it it's gonna happen and if you anticipate it then guess what you're prepared for it and another 
quote that stuck with me just like this money sustains passion one is that uh luck favors the prepared one yes if you're prepared for that guess what oh it's lucky that i had all this extra whatever sitting around so that i can take care of it when i'm hired to train traders um to learn how to trade for a company they the thing i always tell them is that um, a person with a plan can be somebody who's just randomly picking out things you know because that's at the end of the day like if you actually have everything written down and you know exactly what you're doing and you know what can happen you know that that's something that black swan events are supposed to be things you don't know can happen Mm -hmm. but in reality like you know in in markets for example that's what i do so it's easiest for me to talk about i know that oil has gone down 40 percent in a day I know that has happened. I know this, the Dow has gone down 20% in a day. You know, I know these things have happened in the past. So I'm always prepared, even though I'm not sitting there going, this is going to happen every single day or anything. You're always prepared for the worst. You have to have your safeguards and not to mention rehearse those things like rehearse in your head. How are you going to react when this happens with your business? When your transmission explodes and you want to sit there and beat your head on the, on the steering wheel on the side of the road, but you just kind of laugh and you know you look at your riders and you go crap and not to mention here goes another one which is now now your riders are all stuck there for another day so if they work they're not going to work so what do you do then well you, then you pay them more money you know so yeah, yeah that, so you have to think of all these expenses you blow out your knee what are you going to yep. do yep that's i mean from the, the individual spot. riders perspective like the injury is the type of thing that is going to keep you away from doing what you got to do doing what you normally do to make your living so how do you put the proper things in place like we're just going over here to set yourself up to be prepared for that situation and that's perfect because that's something that we didn't talk about that's that's like right on point which is injuries so and that's something that i can talk to about about too now i was fortunate that i worked for people who were very good to me and i also but at the same time, I also worked on different sides of myself, which was I wanted to know I wanted to learn how to build ramps. So I did learn how to build ramps. Uh, I wanted to learn how to announce. So I learned how to announce. And so you do all these things so you can also have different things that are added add value to the company. If you're hurt and you blow your knee out in a show and you can't announce like there's no way I can't give you another job. But if you can announce or you're at least willing to give that a shot, you can. And that, the, the other aspect of it, let's get out of BMX. You're at home. You got hurt riding. Um, you know, pick up a book. Start thinking about what maybe, what you might want to do otherwise. You know, maybe maybe it's something totally different because that's a thing you can really – I found um, trading to be very much like riding for me, and that's why – I got so interested in it. Now, not everybody's going to get that. There's going to be something else that feels like that for you. But for me, it's a this trial and error thing that if you work really hard, you try to figure out. It's this puzzle almost. I, I come into every single day trying to figure out this puzzle every single day. And riding is like you're trying to work on this. Like there's no such thing as perfect. Same thing with trading. There is no perfect trading. You're never going to do a perfect 360. You're never going to do a perfect tail whip. It's always could be a little bit better, a little bit different, a little bit something. So you're always constantly working on that. And I see that um, what we talked about yesterday, which is uh, Jay Miron. Jay Miron has a very cool video where he talks about how he's he's a woodworker now, and he and he talks about how it kind of is that same type of drive. 
And he's absolutely right, which is like you can find all of these things that are not bike riding. And this is important because I see so many riders who start to get out of riding and they're so depressed and, you know, trying to find what's next, what feels like that. Number one, I can't tell you that anything really feels like being like, you know, you're for myself, like I was able to invent a trick, you know, like I was able to travel all over doing this and riding at my top level. Like, I don't know what actually feels exactly like that. Yeah. I know that I'm very content. I'm very happy doing what I do today. I do get the same feeling like I did when I've learned a new trick, you know, so you just have to consistently try to find what that is. That's going to be different for everybody. Right. And I guess, I should say that we've gotten to the life after pro section of the conversation. Um, and I feel like if I were to give any advice, I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of riding right now. So like, it's really good for me to think about this stuff, but find that thing while you're still pro find it when you're at the same time as riding, find something that you think might be that next thing for you because Unfortunately, not everybody's going to be able to, you know, make enough money from BMX and set themselves up from BMX to where they don't have to live like or do something to be able to make a living afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's the life after riding in, in general, like whether it's just living and surviving is very hard for some people. And it it was hard for me, you know, like, I I don't think it's something that anybody takes easily because you do something your whole life, you know, and this, this sport takes so much dedication and so much passion and so much time to get good at that. You also feel like, man, I could have been doing something else. And then you kind of get to get down on yourself about it. Like, man, I wish I did something. And that's not it either because you, you, I, I wouldn't trade any of the things I learned from BMX for the world. Right. Uh, there's so many things that you've learned that you can do that that are just totally different than anything in the world. The experiences you'll have. I mean, it's crazy to me that I go into meetings with people these days, and they're you know the <laughs> as upper class as, as it gets, and they're like, man, it's really cool that you rode BMX bikes. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like there's that, and then like I find this all the time where I, because I have that part-time job at the tractor manufacturer and I've worked with other people for things, there is always a parallel from BMX to another industry that you can find and to where you'll, you're never not going to be able to be useful to something else because the knowledge that you learn through BMX literally carries over to everything else somehow. It's crazy. There's yeah, never yeah. been any situation where it didn't. Yes, and that that's so important. And and it's um you know I, I did an I did an interview with uh, Trading Technologies the other week, and it was on on my uh, my uh, hedge fund, and we were talking about the hedge fund and talking about what we were doing and all of these things. And you know he kept going like, man, we should talk more about BMX. You know, we should <laughs> talk about BMX. You know, you seem like you have the and it's true. There are all of these parallels that you continue to find as you're doing it because it's like you know you know how to fight you know like that's the Mm. thing that's why i said like bmxers can do anything like i i i fully believe that bmxers can do whatever they want to do it's and and it's in our heads you know i think it's 
you do this crazy thing and you also get in your head and you're like, well, I'm just this crazy guy who does crazy things. I mean, that's how I used to think of myself. I'm a crazy guy who does crazy things. I can't exactly be that guy who goes in and um, gives speeches on agriculture or like all these things. And then all these years later, that's what I do. You know, like if yeah. you had told me like if you'd have told me what I did for a living, you know, 20 years ago, I would probably say you're out of your damn mind and, <laughs> and like you know i would have never believed it but now it's like yeah like i get it and it was part of the path to get there yeah uh a couple things here i i do want to recognize that there's a lot of people who are going to be watching this in people watching this right now who might not be able to relate as much to this part of the conversation because they aren't the the pro level rider getting paid from bmx or they didn't you know live off of the BMX industry, but I feel like no matter what, you can still find that parallel even with what we're saying in what you're doing now, because you might not totally enjoy what you're doing now and you can use the things that we're talking about to set yourself up to move into a direction that you might like as much as BMX or be able to enjoy what you do every day. Then there's also, uh, damn it, I had something really good that I was going to say and I can't remember it now. <laughs> that's how that's how it goes oh i got it i got it go ahead there so so yes there's the the parallels between like being a rider and learning tricks and being able to do anything like what you're saying too but then as a rider when you are kind of intertwined with the industry as a rider and you learn how things are going and like you pay attention to like there's these shortages or shipping costs coming from China or making these things go up or this process is used to make this thing. There's those parallels that I found too in this crossover into everything. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really important. And I think, and like you said, there's, there will be people who, you know, the, can't exactly understand because you never and not to mention like being honest that's a lot of people who will be the ones to say like why are you guys talking about money in bmx anyways and bmx is just fun like no no like for, for it's it's not like it's it's like you going to your job and being like well i i kind of enjoy this so like i'm not you're not going to get paid anymore like no that not how anything goes it's like you know basketball players get you know a hundred million dollar contracts you know like so right. like there, there's lots of reasons, you know, not to mention there's there's reasons why you did Mountain Dew Tour and you got paid a lot of money to, to win those contests because you are promoting Mountain Dew. You're mm -hmm. promoting Levi's as a sponsored rider. This is how all of this money comes in. And I, I just think a lot of people like to really kick that idea down because they don't want to want to just say, OK, well, this is um, sorry, my dogs are going crazy. That doesn't but, matter. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is also a very legitimate thing that we all do too like i i don't think a lot of people want to just say that well i think the people who don't want to say that are the people who either haven't been a struggling professional bmx rider trying to like pay their rent or they have been that person and then they had to move on and get a like a real job because now they're working that nine to five and they can't be a pro anymore because they didn't you know like they couldn't keep living the life of a pro bmx rider and 
we're just having this conversation now and I wanted to do this so that maybe that person who's making 500 bucks a month can learn the things that they need to learn and put the different strategies we kind of talk about today in place so that they don't have to go and get that other job so they can continue sustaining their passion of riding through making money from riding yeah and and the thing anymore is like with with the internet you know there's for example there's those there's people i'll have conversation with and i'll be like look like you could you could write on um uh you know supplements you know like let's mm-hmm. say you you writer and you really take supplements you could write on supplements and say how they do for you and what they've done for you and you could write on your knee surgery and how it's done for you and like these things continue to build up you know over and over again the data of what skate parks are like what what skate park is good what skate park is bad you know you never know what all those things could actually turn into so can like finding something making a website just doing like what you're doing on here you know doing something over and over again like that will also one it could transfer into something else two it also helps boost you as a bike rider too and three like if you can make some extra income on the side that's always helpful so there's all these things like that what i think with all the with the internet now there's so many ways to make money not to mention just like simply flipping things like mm-hmm. going to a garage sale finding something that's very cheap and i used to do this as a kid as i would find something cheap at a garage sale and then i would sell it and i would do this over and over and over again and nowadays with craigslist and ebay and all this stuff like it's even easier and so by the time ebay came around i would do that even more and i continued to do that again and again and again and then it became like that's how i got in the gold industry which is that i started buying gold from people um you know you get it normally like if somebody wants to buy gold and let's say gold is eighteen hundred dollars if some if you're buying it from somebody you're buying it for under that because that's they're just trying to get rid of it most of the time they don't even care mm-hmm. um, you know so let's say you're selling it for you know 1760 an ounce usually they're not bringing in a whole ounce but let's say it's 1760 an ounce and then you're selling it to somebody for 1900 and you're doing this over and over again and you're making this little bit of money doing this and this is also like a beginning of an, an entire career that's a business right there yeah that's it's a whole business you know yeah. and like it turned into me talking to a mine in papua new guinea and now i get uh, raw gold from papua new guinea and sell it to jewelers so like you know these are all ideas that you can kind of start very small uh, and with the internet now like you know anything's possible like you write like writing a blog can be profitable yeah dude and i think the very beginning of this brings it full circle in that just changing your mindset to think about things in a different way from a business perspective is what leads you down that path for you to find that so so when you make the connection between the fact that oh you're a professional rider riding for this company but you're learning this other aspect of the industry maybe maybe you're filming because a lot of people film and take pictures maybe you're filming or taking pictures and you're learning this skill and along the lines or along the way you learn how to do some graphic design well guess what you are also teaching yourself how to become an asset to the company you ride for potentially yeah or 
like you, you start flipping things and then you end up in the gold market. And now you have this successful thing going on that had you have never made the connection between the riding side of your brain and the business side of your brain, obviously those two things don't exist that way. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. If but you it's never, true. If you never made that connection and you never thought about things from that business perspective, you might not, you probably would have never, ever thought to do that. And that's something I've found recently just for myself. Like I've never really thought about things from a business perspective. And now that I am, I'm just making all these crazy connections every single day. And I'm like, oh, this and this. And it's just like all leading to the same place of I just want to ride my bike every single day. That's yeah. all I want to do. And I have so many friends who, um, you know, you could I could have this conversation. I could say they could talk about something. I'd be like, oh, you'd be really good at this and give them an entire business idea. And they'll be like, well, you know what? I don't really I feel like that's screwing over people and I'm just like what do you think of you know you think and then I'm like so you think it'd be better for like Walmart to do that you know <laughs> like you think Walmart's the best one to do things like that you know it's it's just trade is how we survive as humans like it's it's a thing we do you know you have to get over this fact that like you're asking people for money like yeah like you're you're asking people for money it's a business that's how that goes so you know that's an important part of all this which is most people feel so weird about that that they're ha they're happy to like work for Walmart or McDonald's mm -hmm. but they're not willing to be Walmart or McDonald's I think that might be the biggest point of all of this is that you've yeah. got to change that mindset from the I'm happier to work for someone than to work for myself as that someone because when you when you become and when you put yourself in the position of being that Walmart or someone, you realize how much more potential there actually is because we all know it through a job that you might have every day that you are making the company more money than what you're getting paid. When you become the company, you, you get, that's what you get. <laughs> like you get paid that extra money and when you're smart about all the things we talked about and you set your prices up accordingly and you set everything up smartly guess what you just moved yourself up in life yeah easily yeah e easily and it, it's important to understand that you know you you can do all these things like that's the thing that and it's it's all about self-responsibility like understanding that like this all comes down to you you can't blame people for like oh this person didn't help me out or i wanted to be a professional bike rider but this person didn't sponsor me or or these things you just can't blame anybody but yourself for these things so you have to just constantly be this is all me this is uh, if i'm doing bad that's me if i'm doing good that's on me you know, and so, you know, then that's something, you know, I learned the hard way in my life of understanding that everything is, is all about me. And that's the thing. That's how also. But if you think about it, if you got good at bike riding, you're listening to this, you got good because you put it on you. You know, like every time I would lose a contest, I would be so depressed. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, you know, like I wish I could do something differently. And like that drove me to get better and better at riding. But it's the same thing with business. It's like, what did I do wrong? You know, why, why am I not making this amount of money? Maybe. And sometimes it's, I have to, this business is wrong. You know, that, that's something that you have to also be willing to do is go, well, this doesn't make any sense. I need to be out of this. I need to get rid of this whole company.
uh, that might happen. But I think the willingness to try will open your brain. Like, you know, you're, you're, for me, like writing and thriller and all these things, like it, it, a lot of these things have opened my brain to different possibilities. And if you continue to just kind of go and go listen to this and then you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to do this with my taxes now. Or maybe I'm going to, you know, keep, like we said, we're not tax guys, but, you know, maybe you're going to start keeping track of your stuff a little better. And then maybe you go, well, you know what, I'm going to read this book about business. You know, there's all these very cool business books. And, and as BMXers, like if you're online and you're doing exactly what you're doing here or if you're doing um, – you're posting Instagram videos every day, guess what? You're a fucking marketer. Yeah, absolutely. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but uh, but uh, guess what? You're a marketer, you know. Um, and that's the thing that's that's very important is like that's a that's a huge industry that people, you know, don't think it's another thing that people don't think of it as a business. But, you know, one of my clients, he's Marketing. a huge marketer. Yep. <laughs> someone made this and someone figured out how to do that. Like Exactly. You know, so you're, you're a marketer. There's, you know, one of my big clients, you know, he's a market, he's a marketing company in, in Atlanta. You know, he's very good at that. He makes tons and tons of money. You know, he's just telling me about this, his new plan. He's actually uh, just got hired by, um, what's that, uh, Pool Apart. He just got mm -hmm. hired by Pool Apart last week, got some crazy contracts. So he's doing, I mean, this this is all like, you're a BMXer. You're basically a marketer, no matter how you think about it anymore. You have to be marketing yourself. So now here's another part of the industry. So maybe you're, maybe you're filming. Maybe it's just the fact that now you know how to market. So you have a business and you can just market yourself. You yep. know, there's all of these aspects of BMX that's very important. Yeah, it's, it's wild how like every single aspect of BMX can be translated to whatever you might need to do to make money to survive in life. And I really hope that this conversation helps people do that and that it can be referenced and hopefully be used as somewhat of a blueprint of sorts for people who are in that position. Because the worst thing that I hate seeing is seeing that some legendary rider has to go and get a day job because BMX didn't do enough they did or they didn't get enough out of BMX when they were in it or set themselves up for a successful life after BMX I hate I seeing mean, that it's tough and the one the one aspect that we have to keep in mind at this point is like BMX be very different 20 years ago there's a possibility of really setting yourself up nowadays it's kind of very tough you like you said earlier you have to be the top one percent you know and, and not even the top point zero one percent most likely these days and so when you are so you have to understand that that's that's a that's a very big possibility now so but because of that you can kind of go in and go okay well what are things that i might be able to do business-wise that could bring in five hundred dollars a month a thousand dollars a month two thousand dollars a month you know and have these goals like 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 we're talking in these big numbers but really like the goals can be like i mean how i started when i was a kid was i want to make ten dollars a month then it goes i want to make 20 and i want to make 50 i want to make 100 you know you continue to kind of set these goals and you do it and then like you know the human brain is very short-term oriented so we really overestimate um, what we think we can do in a week and we underestimate what we could do in years. And so really like starting small, 
forgiving yourself for making mistakes and, and building up into that. And to get back into the life after BMX thing, I think it's important, like we talked about earlier, is the journey is really, really important to understand that, like, BMX wasn't some curse to you. That That's number one, because I think a lot of people I talk to, they have that in their head, that BMX was this terrible thing, and they could have been doing all these other things, but they got stuck in BMX, and it was stupid. And really, like, it's not the case. Like, you learned something from BMX. BMX was awesome. You had a lot of good memories. You really loved doing it. And you also learned how to be passionate and, and continue to do something and fight through the bad times. Because if you if you were any sort of a professional bike rider, I don't care if it's, you know, you did shows for a long time or whatever it was, you have been hurt badly. You have had to get better. You have had to fight through all of these things to get to where you are today. So, you know, you have that in you and that doesn't go anywhere. And I see a lot of guys who are older just kind of like, well, yeah, I just wasted all those years riding my bike, you know, and it, it's just not the case. Absolutely, man. Um, is there anything else that we need to talk about in this whole entire thing? I think I think we covered it pretty well. I, I feel like the biggest thing that I've got out of this for anyone was is just to, to change, maybe not change your mindset, but expand your mindset early as you possibly can expand your mindset from thinking just about riding to thinking about other aspects and how you're going to set yourself up into the future and just think about more than just next week yeah absolutely cool well i don't want to like extend it super far past the topic so if we've pretty much covered everything i i really hope this is useful i thank you for talking through all of this i feel like it's it could be huge for anyone who might need it i think it's valuable just because especially for me uh, as a rider when i was younger like you know i was very fortunate to be around i mean my uncle was basically the millionaire next door type you know none of us knew we i grew up pretty like in lower class and so like none of us knew that anybody in the family really had money like that then he died and had a bunch so i got to see like him living with his Buick, you know, his car was a Buick and like in a very small house, like just very normal. You would have never guessed it in a million years. Mm-hmm. And then I have my grandmother, when she moved back to Ohio, she was really uh, financially savvy, uh, very smart at all these things, very computer savvy. So, you know, she taught me spreadsheets and how to do all these things um, with my own finances. So I was fortunate, but a lot of people, I, I had to teach a lot of my friends these things because they just never learned. Yeah, and and this is this is also part of why I wanted to do this in the first place is that everything we talked about for the most part is stuff that people should learn when they're in high school, but we don't. Yeah, no, not <laughs> not not here, not in the states. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about as simple as that. We should learn it, but we don't. And some people are lucky enough to have parents who might teach them about these things, but not everybody. So I hope that this can just help somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's a good start. And, you know, these these are things that if you understand, if you listen to this, we have given basically like like when we're talking about keeping track of everything, I'm just talking about spreadsheets. So learn how to use an Excel spreadsheet. Not hard to figure out. There's tons, like you said earlier, YouTube is a great resource. Tons of videos on it. Learn how to do that. 
that's one thing. And not to mention just going, just like riding, you know, how you have to go into riding and be like, I want to learn this, I want to learn this. Think about it like riding. I want to learn how to use a spreadsheet this week. Uh, next week, I want to make sure I'm, I'm keeping track of my money. Next week, I'm going to go through all of 2021 and figure out how much money I used in gas. I'm going to figure out how much money I used in food. You know, just continue to do these things. And, and don't also, don't do the thing where you go, well, I wish I started this last week and I didn't. You know, like, just start. doesn't matter. Like, just start do it. Middle of the year, start. Today, start. You know, luckily it's the beginning of the year. You're you're great if you start today too. You know, lots of ways to do it. Yeah, there's there's no better time for 2022 to start everything that that we've talked about today. And there's free resources for everything that we talked about. There's free Google Pages or whatever it's called. Oh yeah. There's spreadsheets online. There's you can read all these books. I'm sure there's audio books. Questions. Are there like, any? Oh, I'm like, I was like, <laughs> what? I'm confused. Oh, geez. That's really funny. Um, yeah. Is there any questions? We still got 30 people in here hanging out. I would, we can answer any questions if there are any. Um, I think this has been very informative, even just for me. I've been morphing my mindset over the past year. Just, yeah just trying to get to that place where this... but you're also doing a thing where you're putting some money aside like starting to do these things differently i mean and that's the that's the beginning you know mm-hmm. and that's and it continues to move from there yeah yeah absolutely and i think part of what can be hard for the bmxer is that like when it, this is what it was for me for the first year or two of the whole like being an individual on my taxes and stuff was like when you are in a position where you represent companies and all of these things, you might not have to buy that three or four hundred, five hundred dollar bike frame. You might not have to buy your bike parts. Like you might not have the same types of things that you you don't like think you would use as those write offs. And it took me a while to kind of realize that, and then you just thinking about things from a different perspective and realizing that you know all of your equipment is a write-off that we we're using today your microphone your computer all mm-hmm. these things you, you if you're if you're a bmxer and you edit on your computer there you go now that's a write-off too that's a business um, you know, monitors a business expense a microphone headphones yep I've, everything that you yeah yeah, man, there's no questions coming in. Apparently, they're, they're just here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. Um, somebody did say that, in their opinion, the BMX economy is three to five years behind the current e-commerce economy. I agree. It's, it's interesting, I, though, because I don't know if it'll ever fully catch up because everything is direct these days that you buy unless you're talking about buying through Amazon, but I wouldn't exactly call Amazon a distributor, but BMX is is so like focused on the bike shops and the distributor side of things that I don't think it'll ever fully leave that mindset. I don't either. And so five, this, God, this, is, this might even be longer than that. This might be nine years ago. 
um, I started talking about the fact that I wanted to talk to these shops. Uh, we do shows, but we did shows all over, uh, especially all over the U.S. And the plan was to go, okay, well, we're going to drop ship frames and bikes to these people. I talked to all the companies. Hey, you make complete bikes. I want to talk to you. All these things. And I was going to just make a drop shipping website. Now, I, I, I've had drop shipping companies before, so I already know how to do it. Yeah. It would have been very simple. Um, they shot it down every step of the way. The bike shops, the this, the that. And it was like, dude, you know, the rest the rest of the world has moved on to this. And I, right. I, what I told the last conversation I had, I don't remember which company it was. Actually, I do now, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> The last company I had the conversation with, I said, you know, would you rather me do this or would you rather Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's really what it turns into is, and, and I get it, like, I get the other angle of it, too, is like, yeah, sure, I would love to uh, have the bike shops do well. I would love all these things to happen, but if the rest of the world is not going to these anymore in the same way and they're not doing this, there's nothing I could do. So now we're just kind of behind everybody else yeah like, so like, comment so my my uh my perspective on this is that it could pretty much not a hundred percent but pretty much all be completely negated through affiliate marketing if every single company out there for bmx just took up affiliate marketing for their riders and say it, you earn your pay based on what you actually do. This means that you could go through a, sh a shop, could still end up selling these things, but the rider has to promote themselves. And if they promote, things get sent to a shop or whatever. I mean, that's a different aspect of this, of that side of it. But the affiliate thing brings the responsibility from the company to fig for figuring out what the rider deserves to get paid to it puts it on the rider for actually doing their job and yep. making making their own money from the company and then there's also the side of shops can move towards that model of how like uh trek i think does it where if somebody buys a trek bike off of the internet from a website directly they won't send it to the person who bought it. They'll send it to the closest Trek dealer or whatever bike shop to get it built. And then the person has to pick it up there. Yeah. And, and any other business, you know, like any, any other business, that's what is done in finance. You know, you bring in money with a client, like you get a certain amount. This is how it's done everywhere. And BMX, once again, that's another thing we're behind on is that, nobody's really willing to do that and it's like what well, that that's a very simple way of doing this you know i know like um john quartz has been talking about doing that and people are talking about it you know but yeah. i've never seen anybody do it on a major scale and that would be very important to be and not to mention like bmx is the only one where i'd ride for somebody and be like i sold six frames or 20 i mean i was in i was in Ohio uh, riding for companies that were in you know California that nobody you know rode, rode frames here they weren't carried at Chang or nothing right and all the kids would be riding those frames yep. you know there'd be like 20 30 frames here I never made a dime off of any of those you know right like, and that's because right now there's just no possible way to 
pin rider A to frame A that is sold. And somebody said that affiliate thing can't get tracked precisely. It can get tracked 100% precisely because oh, yeah. if you no. take away a rider's base salary and they only get paid through the affiliate thing, obviously I'm not saying that's how I would do it, but if you did that, then they have a code or a URL that they don't get paid if somebody doesn't use it. So they're going to be promoting that and then all sales that come through that website, code or link or whatever, get pinned to that rider immediately. And that is already in itself a million miles ahead of anything that is. And it's not like being, like like you're talking about something that's used every day to keep track of things like that. That's used constantly to keep track of things like that. And it works very well. Yeah. And in BMX, you're talking about a way smaller scale. Like, this is a way smaller scale. Yeah. So, yes, it can absolutely be tracked. Um, I mean, the, the kid, like, kids riding bikes and calling and being like, hey, yeah, I want the same frame that Jason Cruz has, you know, in Cleveland. Like, that, that was also easy to track. But, you know, it, once again, it was just BMX. Like, they didn't think like that. They didn't do things like that back then. Yeah. Um, and the, really, like, that exact, but go ahead. I was just going to say the same person said, I get you, but anything not bought by that URL will not get tracked. And that is the rider's responsibility at that point. Yeah. If you're doing your job, someone is going to make sure that they're using your URL. Uh, Brian, we already kind yeah. of finished our right. conversation. We went through, uh, dang, we talked about man i'm blanking <laughs> what did we talk about the whole conversation which, which part? the whole thing what was the point uh talking about life after bmx taxes uh how to how to basically take care of yourself and move into businesses and so on we covered a lot of topics actually educating yourself and uh learning about the different financial things that you need to as a bmx rider to try and hopefully set yourself up for the future and having a good life after being a BMX rider. Yeah. That's what we talked about. There's uh Brian Tunney in the chat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the affiliate thing, I mean, there's certain aspects of it that wouldn't solve some of the problems, but if companies moved that way, it would be, it would just be so much better because even then you can allow am riders to get paid maybe it's just pro riders who have a base salary that they get paid and then on top of it they get whatever affiliate commission they get through they they earn but then you got ams who use their own code too they don't get paid a base but then they get paid whatever they make from the affiliate i think it's very like a money's scarce right now in bmx but i think it's very important right now for the reason that like this is a way to incentivize people yep so they're incentivized to continue to sell your products and so on and then at the same time it's uh you know the with the companies don't have the exact amount of money right now to really pay anybody anything here you go here's some way of doing something like that yep. and hey maybe it just goes into a um a travel budget maybe maybe it's not even you know you maybe you don't get actual money but maybe it goes into a travel budget which is what bike riders want you know most people are pretty riders starting out as professionals upper amps 
you know, just getting into it would love to have some sort of a, hey, this is just a good way of me to go travel and ride my bike and do things. And also that also promotes their brand. So, you know, putting it all together, this is a good idea. That and also you said the, the money being scarce thing, the affiliate thing, if in a beautiful world where every single company in BMX just adopted this overnight, immediately, guess what you find out? You find out why money is scarce because you find out who the people are that are driving people to buy things. So mm-hmm. so immediately you find out, well, this guy's not worth being paying because guess what? He's not doing his job. He's not selling anything. Then, then that also gives you an avenue for how – it gives you the literal blueprint for how a rider moves up in a company because – whether we want to admit it or not, BMX is a business and all of these companies are businesses. So if this AM rider, somebody who's not even AM, they're just some random rider who's connected, they get an affiliate thing and all of a sudden they're selling all this stuff and they sell enough to be a pro rider. Well, guess what? They just earned their way to that spot and earned everything that you're giving them. Yeah. And that, and that's important because it's, um, and what you said about BMX is a business no matter what. And that's something that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Like back in the day, who was it? Uh, there was people, I'm, actually, I shouldn't name names, but it's it's people that were sponsored. And they would be like, oh, well, this person isn't as good as me. But I knew the dude like was a really good dude. And, he, you know, he had a lot of people that he'd bring in on and he, you know, got around and he traveled a lot and he went to every content. You know, these are all important and almost more important than riding. Yeah, yeah sure. You can be a really good bike rider, but you can also be a very good bike rider and not sell anything. It's yeah. kind of like in the market. There's plenty of companies that are great companies that go. Their uh, earnings are great every single year, but the companies don't make you any money because the stock is flat. So you know th- it's the same with a rider, which is the rider is is very good. He can do every trick in the book, um, but he maybe he just stays at Woodward all year long, you know, and he doesn't yeah. go anywhere. That you know that's not going to sell any bikes. It's not going to get any people into them. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, dude, it, I've thought about this so much. Uh, Kurt at BMX Union is the first person who like talked about that idea with me, and I've thought about it so much since, and it just makes so much sense and solves so many of the problems that we have in the professional side of BMX that it's like, I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to do that. I think a lot of people in, in the industry, if I was to think of, uh, of it, it would be the way, especially with shows, the way riders act with shows is like they're like they'll go out and pump on anything, you know, you want on Instagram. That's uh, bike frame, whatever. You could give them a T-shirt. They'll fucking, you know, six, six hashtags of your T-shirt. Company. Yeah, right. Bike shows. I'm paying these people a lot more money than they'll ever get from any of that stuff. Yep. But at the end of the day, they're not gonna go out and pump it up or anything because it looks like lame, you know. And I think in their head, like they were like, oh well, if I if if Haro, for example, puts that out, like you know, five riders are gonna be like, screw this, you know. And I mm-hmm. think they feel like that's such a big deal. But all that really needs to happen is one of them to try it, you know, right. give it. And, and try it and, and it doesn't mean like drop everybody who's not doing what you think they're doing or or whatever it just means giving it a shot on a, on a small scale see what happens right and, and even then 
like you get that way of measuring things and if a rider isn't doing as much as they might need to be doing well then you you like let them know that you that's where they get a chance to like know how they're doing because right now like i feel like how a rider is doing at least not at the very top because i feel it's probably pretty obvious that dennis enerson is selling parts like that's pretty obvious but some random dude who's a pro but isn't huge or anything like it's kind of ambiguous i bet right now and like objective how he's doing like it probably comes down to whoever the tm is and how he sees it that they're doing there's not subjective not objective there's not like an objective part to it i bet yeah i mean every every industry so like with what i do it, it we're systematized you know like i can i can know every single thing about everybody that we work with what they're doing all these things because we have a systematic way of looking at it yeah and you know there's no systematic way of looking at like what's your impact in bmx what are what exactly are you doing um and it, it's very tough so you know that weighs on these companies you know like how like how exactly do you know who to sponsor besides like oh i get a, and that's what it comes down to is i get along with this dude well he's a cool dude i like his riding i'm gonna sponsor him and like as you know like as you said riding is also subjective there's so many different types of riders you could be the best rider and somebody could hate your riding um not to mention uh you know another thing we should talk about is the way riding kind of kicks itself in the nuts all the time with people who are very very good but we go oh i don't like like in basketball if you know there's michael jordan is a, is a dick everybody everybody knows a guy was kind of a dick but you know he had reasons for being okay but nobody's going oh dude like i michael jordan was like doing really good in the finals but like i made sure he lost because you know he's an asshole yeah. but in bm like they, you know and i could talk about <laughs> now because i'm not in competing anymore yeah. that happened bmx so many times i'd watch there is a what was his name jeremiah jones now super piece of shit person like i have no problem saying that either but i complete like uh, jason suchin always taught me one lesson which is respect the right riding you don't have to respect the rider yeah and he was an amazing rider and he would do the craziest things that he could never place in a contest, you know, like yeah. he never placed in a contest because uh, he like, I guess he was mad about a place he got at a, a ECT contest many years ago and he threw uh, a picture down. Now, it was messed up, not saying it was he was right to do any of that. That was really wrong. Um, but at the end of the day it's like okay well riding should be this guy did really good today you should never have a judge telling me how he doesn't like somebody right i mean that's what happened one of the x games had a conversation i'm i won't name the judge's name because he's he's an okay person and but um he straight told me that hey you know that dude wasn't really like having fun he didn't seem like he was doing the things he should have done like you know smiling or having a good time he just looked miserable out there and honestly i don't really like the kid anyways you know like that's a reason for somebody getting a third place instead of first like it's it's crazy so you know there's so much of that in bmx and and i really have always despised that because especially for someone like me like I, i'm a quiet person a lot of people could make up whatever they wanted to about me but that was because i was quiet 
Mm-hmm. And so, but because I was quiet, should I get placed differently than someone who talks more? You know, like that, yeah. that's what BMX does. So it's kind of a, a bad thing that BMX does that I always wish was different. But, you know, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation because the, the whole judging system for the way contests are judged makes it makes riding in contests exactly the way that it is in contests. Yeah. Yeah. As totally yeah. <laughs> we go, let's all let's all ride it. Like I turn it on and I'm like, who is that? Is it the same guy? Oh no, it's somebody different. Like I, I can't tell anymore, you know? Right. And I'm not saying that they're not very good and they're not talented. And then not to mention that I look at the judges and I'm like, how are they even like how can they even relate to some of those tricks you know like like it's it's very uh very interesting but the one thing over over all those things even though that's also a weird aspect it's always been the fact that like riding should be based on riding you know like it shouldn't be like and i'm not saying like sponsor a person who's a dickhead like yeah maybe that dickhead's not going to sell you frames but when you're judging a contest or you're doing these things, you have to make sure you it's not a biased opinion for any other reason, you know, just judging the contest straight ahead. Yeah. Yeah, man, that is like a huge topic. Huge. <laughs> it's like it's a whole nother two hours. We could talk about that for a week at some point. Just, yeah, you, <laughs> just you really could. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to drag this out too long because I want people to feel like they can listen to the whole thing being almost two hours here. So so that being said, yeah. I, I really hope that this whole conversation helps some people and gives or takes away some of the ambiguity that currently exists and just at least gets people thinking about that side of things because there's so yeah. many people who find themselves at the end of a career and they're like oh crap what do i do now yeah Um, and and it's one thing and that there's another important thing that we should say before we go which is that you never know when the end's gonna come you never know Yep. you know you it could be today it could be in 20 years like you just you're never gonna know and one day your life's gonna be different and you have to you know, I had it in my head as a kid that you know I was going to die by 25 anyway, so it didn't matter. You know, like that's really what was in my head, so it didn't yeah. matter what I learned or what I did, um, and that was a, a bad way of looking at things. Really, life is very long. There's a lot of things that you can do, so you might as well take some time and learn and try to figure out what you can do. Because the other thing about it is you have to figure out how to be happy at that time when you're not able to be on your bike. like that's hard that's really like the hardest thing you'll ever have to do in your life is figure out how to be happy without riding and if you haven't thought about how you're gonna live when you can't ride your bike financially at all it's gonna make it that much harder to be happy when you're not riding yeah and part of being happy is also being being stable right they say money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure as heck prevents sadness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it's, it's important to just, I mean, and not in the fact that you need things. It's just the fact of, like, surviving. It's, exactly. It's so on that note, anything else from your end? 
I think we talk about everything and even got into other things. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I feel like it's kind of sad that there's this subject that people say, oh, there's no blueprint or no one talks about this thing. And then we just covered all of it in less than an hour or less than two hours. Uh, I mean, it's it's just important. It's like when you talked about it and I was like, yeah, like immediately I was like, yeah, great. Let's do it because it's so important. And like you said, nobody talks about it. It needs to be talked about. It's something that you're never going to really um, understand until it is over. Yep. But if you could start preparing, start thinking about it, start doing things, and, and who knows, you might find something you like even more than riding. You just never know. You yep. know, Just be open to different things, and you'll learn so much. So I'm glad we got to cover this. This is great. Thanks Absolutely. for having me on. Thank you for doing it, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. All right, everybody.